Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of September 23rd through September 29th. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Alex Plant 2016. And Ben Lamoureux. There is no way I can match your energy right now, Colin. <laughs> uh, I have had a lot of coffee. It's National Coffee Day. Oh, yeah. National, something like that. It's some stupid holiday. Facebook um, told me that. This week, we've got some interesting news. We got some Super Mario Maker costume potential DLC. Um, Nintendo talks a lot about franchises that they might turn into movies and how they might do it. Uh, and after the break, the Smash Ballot is closing on Saturday, and so we are going to give out some last-minute uh, pitches for movesets. You might remember we did movesets a little while ago, so we're bringing it back for some characters that you guys, sounds like you really wanted to hear. So then, let's jump right in. MTV recently interviewed Miyamoto and Takashi Tezuka about the prospect of Nintendo movies, now that they've been talking so publicly about leveraging their IP and other media beyond games, and they revealed some interesting possibilities. First, Tezuka said that he would cast a boyish woman to play Link in a potential Zelda film. Miyamoto said he'd cast actors who are twin brothers in real life to play Mario and Luigi. And finally, they asked him whether he was making a feature-length Pikmin film to follow up the Pikmin short movies, and he sort of laughed and said, that's a secret. I can't comment on that now. So my first thought on Tezuka's comments about who he would cast to play Link is it just strongly reminded me of Peter Pan. How like in old incarnations, yeah. you know, they always had a, a woman play Peter Pan. You know, a, lo mm -hmm. a lot of people, I think, were upset by this, mostly because I think they just <laughs> saw the headline and said, no, Link's not a girl. But I mean, it, it sounds like he still wants to keep the character male. Yeah. He just wants to go the Peter Pan route. Absolutely. Yeah. And I it, it really called to mind uh, the debate. I guess it was over a year ago now um, about whether Link is a girl in Zelda U, <laughs> whether Link could ever be a girl in a Zelda game. And I just thought it was so funny because um, I frankly don't really have any opinion on that debate. So when I hear someone with a really, really strong opinion that just absolutely refuses to hear anything about it, it's just kind of... <laughs> Just kind of makes me giggle. And so here, seeing seeing people's responses to that debate, and then here's Tezuko saying, oh yeah, it would be a woman. It's just like, puts a big smile on my face. <laughs> and, and we've said this before, but but Link is pretty effeminate already. So yeah. it seems yeah. like that's a He's natural birdie. sort of choice. But, mm. but I think if they were going to make a Hollywood movie, that would be the time to break Link out of that paradigm. Not that I have anything against it, like on principle or anything. Being effeminate? Yeah. Okay. Um... But that means I could never play him. <laughs> you can play whoever you want, Colin. Um, I play a little girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's an inside joke that happened recently. Continue, Alex. I think with the state of, like, fantasy media now, it would be a, be a good time to kind of have Zelda kind of shift into more of a contemporary fantasy, I guess, bent uh, compared to what it's been in the, over the last like five years in particular. But Do you mean, like, Game of Thrones, The Hobbit not, kind of contemporary no. fantasy? I would say... If The Hobbit were made, if The Hobbit film trilogy or The Hobbit film, because I refuse to acknowledge that that actually is a trilogy, uh, <laughs> if it were made with more of the tone of the book in mind and less of the sort of Lord of the Rings super serious action okay. flick thing in mind. See, I think that Zelda should go the route of Brave. Oh. Like an animated film that has, it's very cartoonish, but also the style of animation is still 3D. And and it's it, very it grounded like still. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It feels like real people, but they still have these ridiculous, um, kind of a lot like Twilight Princess sort of did. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there, um, there are realistic touches, but the, well, yeah, and Twilight the characters Princesses. themselves. 
yeah. you know, yeah. at least the second most uh, successful Zelda game ever. I suppose if you count yeah. the, the remake of Ocarina of Time, it's the highest selling one. But so taking that Twilight Princess approach would, would probably be best if you're trying to attract a large group of fans. Yeah, as far as the, the color palette, I'm not sure that they would want to <laughs> go that dark and, and sort of grainy. Yeah. Maybe they would. But uh, I think the real heart of Zelda is sort of a blend of the Ocarina of Time color palette with the Twilight Princess color palette. Those two styles somewhere sort of in the middle, mm -hmm. I think, is, is the heart of what Zelda should be on film. Yeah, and that makes sense. And we've seen a lot of super serious like fantasy games recently that have been less brown and gray and more vibrant. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think that that's something that people would be turned off by who wanted a realistic Zelda. Mm -hmm. um, How about a Pikmin movie, though? Yeah, I find his reply to be very Miyamoto-like. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it seems like he did, every... He did the little X thing with his fingers, too. He oh. laughed and, like, did the... No, no, no. It seems like every time he's asked about Pikmin, he's... he's I wouldn't say every time, but he tends to be pretty evasive at first, and then later he'll come out and say, oh, yeah, we're really doing this. And then he drops um, a bombshell like Pikmin 4 is almost ready. <laughs> Right, well, the same thing happened with that. Pikmin 3. Like, they had no made no formal announcement, and then someone asked him about it in 2008, and he's like, oh, yeah, we're making a Pikmin 3. Mm -hmm. After he had been asked, you know, for the last few years, I want to well, say, back then. Um, and this feels very much like that kind of moment. Pikmin feels very much like a passion project for him, and so I think that the way he responds to those kinds of questions is almost more like, I, as the creative, this as my as my baby... I don't want to make any promises to you guys because I want to do what I want to do and I don't want you guys having any expectation before I'm ready to announce what it is that I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's kind of... I mean, I'm sure he's working on a feature film given well, that he said no comment. You know, I, I can't say that. It's a secret. Um, and just given how incredible the Pikmin short movies were, those are some of the best short films I've ever seen. Like, Miyamoto clearly has a cinematic vision, and a, and a very good one, and so I I think he's working on one. And, you know, when you think about Nintendo breaking into movies, uh, obviously their biggest IP are, is, like, Mario and Zelda and things like that, but, you know, Pikmin is a lot easier, I think, to translate into a quality movie than either of those franchises. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, the story is all... The story of the original would be a great adaptation, but even if they don't do that, you know... Um, there's so much potential for the sort of antics and the little stories that the Pikmin themselves can get into as well. Um, you know, we saw that with the Pikmin short movies. So there's a lot that they can do in that world. And I think that film, honestly, is a better medium for the Pikmin brand anyway. The RTS games are great, but Miyamoto has said himself several times, you know, when you've got that, that bigger view of the map and you're focused on the strategy, the puzzle solving, you can't really zoom in on the individual Pikmin or like little groups of Pikmin and see what they're doing and see their personalities. And that's something that he says he really, really wants to evoke with the Pikmin series. And of course, the way to do that is through some sort of film, whether it's short films or a television series or something or a feature film. Well, and plus, uh, compared to a lot of Nintendo's other properties that I think would be would be good choices, uh, Pikmin has fewer, I want to say moving parts, but really it has a lot of moving parts because there's yeah, lots of Pikmin. <laughs> um, but the set pieces don't need a lot of setup. The uh, environments yeah. can just stand on their own. They don't need a lot of setup either. The characters are very, they don't really need explanation. That You just you just kind of watch yeah. them. Uh, so, so uh, yeah, I agree. It's It's a really good choice. Data miners have been digging around in Super Mario Maker, and they've discovered a few interesting things. It looks like Nintendo originally planned to let players place a bullet bill without a launcher, and the Goomba's shoe was originally going to be included in the new Super Mario Bros. U tile set, uh, but eventually it was relegated. 
The most exciting news, though, is that files for the Angry Sun were discovered, and the data miner thinks that that will be added as a DLC enemy, but it's also possible that it was scrapped content. Additionally, the guy who leaked the Roy and Ryu stuff for Smash Bros. a couple days before E3, uh, he was looking into Mario Maker, and he says that it has costume files for Popo, Mr. Saturn, Balloon Fighter, Professor E. Gad, Baby Mario, and a bunch of other characters. Um, you can find the full rundown of the story at Gamnesia. Some of the costumes files were removed, some were not. Um, but two of the really surprising standouts for the costumes uh, were a Tetris costume and one for the Microsoft Windows logo. Yeah, I don't even know what to make of that. I've always wanted more Tetris crossovers in my Nintendo games. <laughs> Did I mention that I want Tetris block for Smash on, on, on this podcast? I don't remember. L block breaks in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what to make about the Windows logo, though. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I don't know if it was like a clue or if they were just sort of playing around on the development team and then didn't remove the file. And well, those and would be easy later. things to kind of import as sprites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah. Still stri- well, I feel like the Windows logo, they'd have to downscale it to like, or like create a new sprite or something. I mean, I guess, though, a little square with four colors isn't hard, but still. I'm actually leaning more toward this being scrapped content just because the Angry Sun in particular, if that's the only sort of weird additional f- unprecedented character file that was found i don't know that that necessarily points to dlc right and this well this data mining it was it data that was like added in with the update or is this just stuff that was initially in there do we know that for sure or is that ambiguous you wrote the story well i i'm <laughs> saying i don't think he uh, i don't think he clarified i'm not necessarily asking you guys i'm just you know asking, i see uh i see um, it's rhetorical sort of Yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Uh, my guess is is probably the same as Alex that this is uh you know just something that got scrapped. But the the data miner for whatever reason seemed to be convinced that it wasn't. So yeah. Well, we do know that the uh, Famitsu mascot, like we said before, is going to be a costume, like a DLC costume for Mario Maker, at least in Japan. So they are doing costume DLC. There is a precedent, and when there's a precedent, and when it's something like costumes for the game, you know I. Costumes are the quintessential form of DLC. I yeah, I mean, would not be surprised if this was, you know, like a hint at, at more content. I hope it is. I could at least see the costumes being DLC, but I don't know about the Angry Sun. I don't know about maybe the Goomba shoe being in the other tile sets. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Also in Super Mario Maker news, you may have noticed that the game used the same physics engine, uh, the one from New Super Mario Bros. U, across all four styles of Mario games. Producer Takashi Tezuka says that this was not an easy decision, and many of the staff pushed hard to get them to use the classic physics engines for each respective game. During development, though, they found that players often found the old engines much more difficult than they remembered. Um, Tezuka specifically pointed to the fact that the original Super Mario Bros. doesn't let you scroll left, which kind of sucks. Um, but in the end, of course, while they did go with the new physics engine across all four styles, they decided to keep the mechanics of the original games authentic, uh, like how you can carry shells starting in Mario 3, but you can't throw them in upwards until Super Mario World, and in the new Mario style, you can wall jump and triple jump and stuff that you can't in the other ones, so... Yeah, someone actually in the comments at Gamnesia pointed out something interesting about this. If they had included separate physics for all four styles, you wouldn't be able to, like, start designing a level and then go, oh, hey, you know, maybe I want to switch to a different style because now the physics are different and you have to time your jumps differently and things like that. So, 
you know, I, I understand the uh, the desire from these, you know, longtime Nintendo developers or whatever to be able to uh, play in the old style with this with the old physics, but it's it, it wouldn't be super convenient for customers. Yeah. And honestly, outside of things like triple jumping and wall jumping, uh, the physics tend to be at least pretty similar from from Mario three onwards. Yeah, I didn't notice it until now that I heard this story. Like I it makes sense to me. Um, I'm like, oh, that's why the shell was a little different than I remembered it being in Mario 3. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you definitely notice it when you play. I didn't realize that it was, you know, the same physics engine across all of them. I just figured I was misremembering what the old physics engines were like. Yeah, the only one I really noticed it in was the original style, just because the, the sort of running momentum and the jumping uh, trajectory are, are so very different. But um, mm-hmm. but the rest of them, I, yeah, I would, never, would not have been able to tell. Nintendo joined the Kronos Group this week, a non-profit coalition including Sony, Microsoft, uh, Unity, Apple. They're a contributing member of this group, which means that they can vote on decisions and will be able to get marketing benefits. Uh, This group works towards making standards for computing, graphics, and more across many platforms, which is particularly important for Nintendo, whose third-party support has been abysmal, largely because of how radically different their consoles are to develop for than Sony's or Microsoft's. Whereas third parties can port games between PC, Xbox, and PlayStation very easily because the the systems are constructed with a similar internal architecture, uh, porting games to Wii U, which is constructed very differently, is a lot more intensive uh, for development. So, you know, we heard a report uh, right after E3 that Nintendo had shown off like a I don't know if an actual prototype or if they just, you know, talked about NX, but with some third-party developers. So this looks like a good step, hopefully, towards beginning to bridge the enormous gap between Nintendo and third-party yeah. developers. Because yep. right now it's 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 in a bad state, and it has been for a couple of console generations. So It has been forever. It's just their third parties didn't really have much other option. Yeah. And I think it's good that, that they're working on arriving at common standards with these other platform holders, just because... Computing standards are no longer the thing that differentiates platforms. I mean, that might have been true for early consoles where the the way the CPU was designed really changed the way the graphics were presented and things like that. But nowadays, there's really no reason to differentiate in that area. You differentiate in the user experience. And, you know, even if they were to to use a similar architecture to those other platforms, I don't see them changing uh, necessarily their controller, for example, or the kinds of software they're developing because... You know, modern computers can handle pretty much any kind of software you can throw at it. Yeah, I do think it will mostly affect their system architecture more so than, yeah, say their controllers. Because they are very much about making the game experiences that they want to make. They can make those no matter what the architecture is constructed like. But uh, the control inputs, you know, those are they're going to want to have a lot more free authority over those. Yeah, yeah. Animal Crossing Happy Home Designer launched in North America, and review scores are a little disappointing. It has an average score of 67 out of 100 on Metacritic, with twice as many mixed reviews, which is a score below 75, as positive reviews. Reviewers are praising its charm and variety of items, but many found the game repetitive, too easy, and just not very rewarding. The fact that you don't get your own house to enjoy has drawn a lot of criticism, and no one really had much to say, positive or negative, about the way that it used Amiibo cards. I'd be a little skeptical if people had stuff to say about the Amiibo cards because you can't really <laughs> get the full Amiibo card experience until you see how that kind of works in a social environment. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not super surprised by this. No, not, mm, that's about what I expected. 67 sounds sounds like it hit the nail on the head. 
Well, it's like an Animal Crossing game that is missing a lot of things that Animal Crossing games usually it's have. Like it, it perfects the UI for designing the interior of a home, but it's still only a very narrow part of what the core Animal Crossing experience is. Right, so shaking there's trees only so is much like 90% that... of the game. <laughs> Don't forget hitting rocks with axes. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just a giant bet simulator. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, there's only so much that you can do to really bring one single mechanic from this broader game uh, into its own as a new title. Yeah, it feels like this might have been more successful as like a sort of DLC mode in a standalone Animal Crossing game where they really brought in the home designing capabilities. I mean, I think it would have been better if they had went with our, you know, what we originally expected it was going to be either a free-to-play game that uses amiibo cards to unlock content or like a 10 20 game that you download on the eShop. yeah because you know a, a full premium game that's not really what happy home designer is designed to be well that's not what they've said it was either it's they said it was a I mean, way it's not what it is exactly uh, and I, I don't know how sales have been in the west but i know in japan animal crossing is just crazy popular and this new one uh happy home designer it did top the charts in its first week but then it sales you know, it, they dropped pretty quickly. So, it, you know, it, it, it's being sold like a full game, but it doesn't really have the sales appeal of a full game. So I think I think they would have been wise to price it a little differently. Yeah, and we may see them cut the price or something in the future. But then that's kind of how I feel about Nintendo Nintendo's entire prices. fall lineup this year. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, And yet most of those are still, you know, more than $40. In a recent interview with Famitsu, the CEO of the Pokemon Company expressed a desire to extend the services of Pokemon Bank and Pokemon Global Link to multiple devices and games. He wants you to be able to send your Pokemon from any game up into the cloud and then call them back down to any other game on any other platform and send them back when you're done. He also stated that future Pokemon spinoffs like Pokemon Shuffle could come to either handhelds or mobile platforms depending on what fits for their idea for this hypothetical spinoff games. So on services, uh, Pokemon Go, right? Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That's actually probably exactly what he's referring to. The Pokemon that you catch in Pokemon Go, bring them to, you know, Pokemon Lightning Yellow. <laughs> bring them to Pokemon OMFG, Gale of Purity, or the new Colosseum game. Clearly, Colin needs to work for the Pokemon companies. US oh, yeah, absolutely. I would do a much better job than playing Little Girl Sweet as Pie. <laughs> Um, but you are little girl sweet as pie the the listeners don't know this joke (laughs) listen let's pokemon (laughs) so um you know nintendo and dna one of their big things going forward is that they want to push nintendo as a platform rather than the different devices as platforms and you know they've talked a lot about Mm -hmm. connecting 3ds wii u and nx and even smartphones all together so i'm guessing the ceo of the pokemon company has a little more information on that than we do which is why he's you know willing to talk about this possibility for pokemon in the future i wonder does the ceo of pokemon company know more about the future of the series than we do no about nx about nintendo and nx i know i'm What really strikes me about this is that it's looking more and more like Pokemon between Pokemon Go and uh, not so much Shuffle, but uh, I guess it's really Pokemon Go and this. Uh, It's really bringing the series to the real world in a way that is really 
uncharacteristic of any other series, let alone a series like Pokemon, which for so long has been so trapped mechanically in 1996. This sounds exactly like it's just a PC system from Pokemon just working in the real world. <laughs> you know, you, ac- you, you, the trainer, the person in real life, accesses the Pokemon that they catch no matter where they caught them through a PC system in the cloud and brings them wherever they want to go deposits them and withdraws them and instead of you know that meaning depositing them from blackthorn city and withdrawing them from cherry grove it means you know depositing them from pokemon go and withdrawing them in omega ruby and meanwhile you're carrying a little game center or game corner in your pocket with pokemon shuffle yeah and if you pass your cell phone around to your friends then it's like twitch plays pokemon in real life (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so, before the lightning round, uh, the Smash Ballot closes on October 3rd. I think we wanted to uh, briefly go over a little bit of discussion about about who seems likely, who we think might get it, who might not. Uh, are we all in agreement that Shovel Knight has a pretty good chance? I think Shovel Knight's got a pretty good chance. I think the, the Amiibo news gave him a little bit more credibility, but mm-hmm. not a whole lot more credibility. <laughs> Shovel Knight seems to be one of the most popular characters, probably only second to King K. Rool, maybe Isaac, in the West. But Japan still just has no idea who the <laughs> Shovel Knight is. So that's the only thing I think holding him back. If it was, if we were just going to go on on Western results, then I think Shovel Knight would totally be a super super viable contender. Given that Japan doesn't really seem to know or care about him, I feel like it's a maybe. You know, on the one hand, they're going to want to choose characters that are more global. But on the other, Shovel Knight is so popular. I'm still kind of got my money on the Inklings from Splatoon. I know we've talked in the past about how maybe they bo- they'll be saved for the next Smash Bros. But with uh, yeah, Splatoon think, being a very, a it's very identifiable as a Wii U game. And with it being so popular in Japan in particular, I think it's a really... It's, so I, I guess the question in. is, because we don't hear a lot of people voting for the Inklings, but I agree with you, they are such a big Nintendo thing now. I guess the question is, how many characters do we think they'll draw from the ballot? How many characters do we think they'll they'll create completely separately? Well, you know, they said that from here on out, it's supposed to be completely fan service. So, you know, you would think it would be mostly about the ballot. Yeah. I mean, like, I I buy it, but I don't know what how they're basing the because obviously fans would love playing as the Inklings, but they're not winning any of the polls even close. So... Well, and does fan service mean what fans are asking for, or does it mean corresponding with the stuff we're releasing right now? Because they're making a Super Mario mm-hmm. Maker stage, and I don't think anyone was asking for that. Um, I right. think some people are, are really intrigued by it now that it's been announced, but no one yeah. was asking for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think probably if I were to choose one winner, it's got to be K. Rule. He's topping the, the sample polls in the U.S. He's topping the sample polls in Japan. So, I mean, just between that, like... <laughs> yeah, I'd love to say yes, partially because I'd love to see another Donkey Kong country that has Kremlings, but uh, I don't know. I don't know for I sure. Feel like I at mean, this it's, point, that's inevitable, but... It, it, that's it's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. Um, and yeah, he's probably the most standout character uh, from the polls, like you said. I, I think we need more villains in Smash, so that's another point in his favor. Um, whether that makes him likely, I don't know. I don't... I mean, he certainly could have an interesting move set since he has so many incarnations, but um, mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah. They did give that nod in the uh, costume DLC, so who knows? Yeah. Okay. 
And as always, to conclude the news segment of this week's show, we are bringing you a lightning round with little nuggets of information. If you want to read more about any of the stories we discussed above or anything that you hear in the upcoming lightning round, you can check them out at gamnesia.com. The latest podcast episode will show up in the scrolling feature bar at the top of the site, and on that page, you'll be able to see all these links. September 30th, which is today, as you're listening, the Super Mario Maker stage is coming to Smash Bros. Um, we will have impressions for you next week if we have impressions. Unfortunately, we record on Tuesday nights, so we haven't had the chance to try it for ourselves. Also on September 30th, Club Nintendo Europe closes down. On October 2nd, Happy Home Designer launches in Europe. October 3rd, again, that is when the Smash Bros. Fighter Ballot closes this Saturday. Get your votes in before then. It might be closed on Saturday. So, you know, Shovel Knight, Banjo-Kazooie, Waluigi, vote for any of them just for me. Uh, <laughs> October 8th, 3D Sonic the Hedgehog 2 comes to the 3DS eShop. October 9th, Chibi Robo Ziplash launches in North America. November 20th, Mario Tennis Ultra Smash launches on Wii U. Um, that is now Nintendo's holiday game. Woo! <laughs> Shantae, Half Genie Hero, is scheduled to release this holiday, and Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions, the incredible orchestral Pokemon concert tour, is coming to Europe, premiering in London this December, and tickets are on sale now. And we've got a few general facts from last week and reminders for you. Nintendo's made a set of Animal Crossing stickers for Japan's Facebook-like messenger app, Line. There's also a Splatoon pack that I think launched a few hours ago. Collecting all the Animal Crossing Amiibo cards would likely cost you around $500 if you tried to do all the blind packs. Uh, could be more, could be less, obviously. It's sort of luck of the draw. Nintendo of America is now selling faceplates for the smaller model of the new Nintendo 3DS, now that that is also out in North America. Nintendo is adding 3DS games to the Nintendo Selects lineup, including uh, Zelda Link Between Worlds, Star Fox 64 3D, and more. Smashified shows us how Dixie Kong would look in Super Smash Bros., Rivals of Aether is a Smash-inspired indie game that's gaining a huge amount of steam. Heroes of the Storm is getting a new character skin inspired by Samus and the Metroid universe. Pokemon Super Mystery Dungeon debuted at the top of the charts in Japan. Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes includes a boss rush mode, challenge levels, and more. Tharja, Virion, and more characters are coming to Shin Megami Tensei Crossfire Emblem. Nintendo and Yacht Club explain how they collaborated on Shovel Knight's Amiibo and exclusive modes for Nintendo consoles, and 3DS and Wii U now make up 50% of Shovel Knight sales. A fan made an awesome Bayonetta amiibo. Uh, the Shulk, Greninja, and Lucario amiibo may stop being retailer exclusive. They showed up in Best Buy Systems. I think they're coming to Toys R Us as well. We'll see. Rare unveils never-before-seen concept art for a canceled Conquer game with a medieval theme. Nintendo's new retail signs put the Wii U and 3DS sections of stores under one united banner that is just the Nintendo section. Best Buy is offering deals on Smash Bros, Splatoon, and more. And finally, Michael Pachter says that Wii U will likely only sell 2 million more units. So that is all for the news segment this week. Stay tuned after the break, and we will be back uh, discussing a couple characters, uh, two, maybe more, that we would love to see in Smash Bros and how their movesets should work. Hello, everybody. We are back with more Nintendo Week. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Smash Bros. And Ben LeMoreau. What's going on, everyone? And we are going to discuss two characters, maybe more if 
the inspiration comes to us. But a couple weeks ago, we had a discussion about movesets that characters that we would love to see join Super Smash Bros and how they would work. And obviously the Smash Ballot closes October 3rd, which is this Saturday. So we want to cram in some final thoughts on movesets on characters we would love to see before that ends. So uh, before all our hope is crushed for these potential DLC fighters. First up, I think, do you guys want to talk about Shovel Knight? Sure. We already mentioned this a little bit earlier. So Shovel Knight, who wants to kick it off? Who's got some great ideas? Besides, obviously, the platforming and the pogo and everything. Wait, Shovel Knight does a pogo thing? Are you kidding me? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you you recently admitted to me that you only played the first, like, three levels of that game after saying how much you loved it. So I would not be surprised if at this point you didn't even know that he was just Scrooge McDuck in a costume. <laughs> Scrooge McDuck is a verb now. I love it. <laughs> so... Take it away, Colin. Okay, well, Shovel Knight. Okay, so obviously he's got the shovel, you know, dig for the neutral A. Um, down smash could be a lot like Villager. Uh, forward smash could be the charged shovel thing that he gets later on in the game. Uh, would act, I imagine, a lot like Meta Knight's forward smash. The quick, simple, like, choo. And down air, pogo stick. Of course, pogoing on the shovel. Uh, obviously, you know, do items for a lot of the specials. What are you guys thinking? Well, I'm still a horrible person, and I still haven't played Shovel Knight. That's right. Oh, man. Okay, well, I, I guess I will flesh out the entire moveset for him. Um, so, I hadn't done a lot of thinking about what uh, items could be which specials, because I thought you guys would help me more here. But, uh, so, maybe he could use the Flare Wand as the side B, send out, like, a little wave of fire. Um, I'm thinking the anchor that he tosses uh, in this sort of arcing motion could be a nice recovery move. Um, when you do it on the ground, he could just throw it like he does in the games, but when you do it in the air, he could sort of swing it out like a like a tether almost. Uh, <laughs> one thing that could be cool is if he uses the phase locket as like the rolling or, uh, you know, air dodges and spot mm. dodges. I imagine his final smash would be the warhorn, which he stands and blows and it just does this big, uh, big, loud, large, powerful attack. Or maybe even like something with the Trouple, the Trouple King doing the dance and getting all the Trouple fish and uh, fishing rod could be a really cool grab, actually. Yeah, I think that'd be perfect for the grab. Um, yeah, like cast it out. Oh, you know, what would be a really cool grab, actually, is if he does the fishing rod vertically and he could do it like off stage or off of floating platforms and grab people from. So it'd be a little different than a standard grab. Yeah, like he he I mean, he could grab people, obviously, in front of him with the fishing rod that just lowers onto them from directly above but also you know if it keeps kind of like the bowling ball villager has um if it keeps going then it could pick them up from the ground they're standing on and pull them up to where he is uh, i'll add as an addendum to that addendum to that it'd be interesting if he could grab his partner when you're playing in cooperative mm -hmm. and do interesting sorts of things with that that could be cool um that's always um, been something i kind of wish you could do with the the ranged grabs already is is grab your teammates because that that seems like it, it'd be an interesting dynamic for kind of moving your teammates around the map or helping them recover or things mm -hmm. like that well and actually for the uh recovery move i think the propeller dagger would work pretty well oh that's right i meant to incorporate that somehow that would be cool um that could also work as a side b yeah um another cool side b that could work is the dust knuckles which they have you like punch things in quick succession so that could be really cool um, or that could make for good, uh, like, jabs and smash attacks and stuff. I could see being kind of a charged side B sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, me too. Or even a charged side smash, honestly. Yeah. Um, although the, the, the shovel slash, I think, is just too good. It's too, 
central to Shovel Knight, but maybe that could be, maybe you could just charge up the standard B. Standard B would be the do the dig. Charging that up would be sort of like a smash attack. Yeah. Cool. Shovel Knight. The other character that we would love to see, and please, guys, please vote for this, because this is, it's now or never for Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. We've got to see Banjo-Kazooie in Smash Bros. It has and to Bill happen. Bill Spencer said it could happen, too. So He said it would be cool. Yeah. And let's, not, let's not misquote him that, that much, but he's at least somewhat open to it. The fact that he said anything is very good. So I, I gave this some thought, and I, I would imagine that Nintendo, being Nintendo, they would want to focus on moves that Banjo has had on Nintendo platforms and not, yeah. you know, vehicles mm-hmm. and stuff from uh, Nuts and Bolts. So you'll have Banjo's standard attack would be his claw swipe, uh, do enough of them in succession, and Kazooie will start, you know, pecking at things, kind of like how she mm-hmm. does it in uh, Banjo-Tooie. His air attack could be the Ratatat Rap. Like, what, just the neutral air? Yeah, neutral air. I don't remember the names of these attacks from Bit. Which one is that? The Ratatat Rap is the one where Kazooie pecks things while you're jumping in the air and attacking. Oh, three times? Yeah. That should be forward air. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I think neutral air could be something like he spins around or something like a lot of other characters do. Uh, there's nothing really signature banjo that stands out to me as a neutral air, but the Ratatat Rap really seems like a forward air to me. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I guess uh, a, lo- a lot of, in banjo, you don't really attack a lot unless you're you're moving. At least I don't. Yeah, because yeah. there is a sort of a little bit of a backwards momentum to it. Um, and so I feel like it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to apply that to a, just a neutral air. Sure. Um, as for his, uh, recovery second jump, uh, it would obviously be the feathery flap. Uh, the, the one where he, uh, you know, uh, does a double jump in midair in Mm Banjo-Kazooie. The down air would be the beak buster. Oh yes. Of course. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know how fast I'd have that go. I don't know that I'd have it quite go as fast as Toon Link, for example. But, but you know, we, ground pounds are great, especially in Smash for, for griefing people. So Yeah. Um, <laughs> B attack, I was thinking firing eggs, and I was thinking yeah. the way it would be set up would be if the animation doesn't complete and you manage to fire off another egg, it would cycle through the egg types from... Oh, uh, that'd be great. From Banjo-Tooie. Oh, so, you know, maybe start with a normal egg, then a fire egg, then an ice egg, then a grenade, and then... I was just thinking normal eggs all the way through, and uh, depending on, like, how you hit the button, it maybe kind of like Ryu, if you tap it really quick or hold it for a sec for a moment, uh, Kazooie would spit it forward or poop it backward, like, uh, <laughs> like in Banjo-Kazooie. Well, you know, yeah. I recently uh, played Rare Replay with a friend, and we played the uh, the multiplayer mode that's basically just, you know, Goldeneye, but with Banjo-Kazooie, mm-hmm. where uh, Kazooie's, like, the gun, essentially. So I kind of thought that would be a cool Final Smash, just to have, like, uh, you know, similar to, like, the uh, Snake Final Smash or the Zero Suit Final Smash, where you kind of, like, zoom out and you're shooting at the screen, but you'd be Kazooie shooting the uh, grenade eggs at the screen. I was thinking uh, the the, like, dragon thing. When Kazooie, when Kazooie becomes dragon? a dragon? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah, that would totally change the moveset to be a transformation type Final Smash too. Oh, I was thinking um, more like a like Yoshi's Final Smash. Oh, but yeah. That could work. Yeah. Um, I was actually thinking uh, you would have Mumbo Jumbo come, come on screen and, and transform mm. every all of your opponents into like some random thing, like a pumpkin, for example, where they can't do that anything. Would be cool. That'd or cool. uh, and sometimes a washing machine, you know. That could also, yeah, <laughs> you could turn into a washing machine, like Cook Kirby. 
Yeah. Just wash people and then spit them out. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, and um, and he could transform you as well, and and that could have interesting possibilities. I just don't know what the transformation sure. would be. Sure. There are some cool. The, he could do the standard roll from Banjo Kazooie as a rolling. Yeah. His dash attack, yep. kind of like Donkey Kong, basically. Um, I, I was I I couldn't figure out what to do with Talon Trot though. Like I feel like that's such an iconic. Which one is that again? That's the one where he. Well, ha, oh, he, that's right. Kazooie kind of carries him around. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's essential, but I don't know how to incorporate it. It could maybe be a taunt. I can't see it working very well in Smash. It yeah. It could maybe be a side B, but because it's more for transportation than anything, I feel like it wouldn't really be put to great use as a side B. Right. I, I was thinking for side B, maybe Wonder Wing, where you repel projectiles. I'd like to see a more dedicated flight move, I guess just up B, kind of like Pit. But uh, the flying in Banjo-Kazooie is so distinctive that yeah. I would love to see that incorporated somehow. Yeah. I know they've kind of nixed a lot of the sort of horizontal flight moves, kind of like Meta Knight's Glide and Pit's Glide from Brawl, mm-hmm. but um, so I don't know that they'd go for go for something like that. But I but I'd love to see it anyway. Well, maybe maybe they could do something where like uh, because it's you know Banjo and Kazooie, uh, it would have multiple jumps. Then the recovery is more horizontal because you know you can get the vertical movement from having four or five jumps. So yeah. Two. Or maybe the fall speed is just slower, and so they don't quite yeah, fall, could fall be. as quickly. Like the parasol, almost. Yeah, yeah, that's Very that's cool. actually a good that's a good approach, and that's that's about it. Rest the nice. rest of the moves, I don't think are quite iconic enough to be necessary, but uh, yeah, they could throw in some of the random stuff like uh, I don't know, running shoes for the dash or something like that. I don't know. There's a lot I think that of, of animations from Panjo and Kazooie uh, that they could use as you know just attacks that that feel very natural but aren't necessarily you know they don't necessarily have to make every single move from smash an attack that you know is named in the game well it's sort of like how pac-man has has some of this random stuff kind of shoehorned into his other attacks like the ghosts or i really an hated attack. that though i know but like <laughs> i wouldn't want that in being i would i wouldn't i, I it could, couldn't possibly be that tacky i don't think right right Pac-Man can be that tacky because Pac-Man is that tacky. Right, but, right. <laughs> um, but, you know, they could do stuff with, like, taunts and victory animations, like playing the Game Boy or... Uh, oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, getting a jiggy, um, knocking on the screen with and, and laughing. Um, they jiggy on in. Do a little jiggy. Or he could play the uh, banjo. Well, yeah. Yeah, of course. So... So that's Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. Great. Uh, there's actually a... a Great piece of fan art that I saw. Uh, I forget the artist's name. You can look it up on Google. His first name is Luigi, of course. Um, <laughs> look up like Banjo Kazooie moveset Luigi, um, and you'll find it. I think it's like the first result. Really great ideas for Banjo Kazooie movesets in Smash. A lot of them are different than ours, uh, but you know, really well illustrated. If you're interested in yeah. Banjo Kazooie movesets, more good ideas there. Awesome. All right. Well, there you go. There we have it. Shovel Knight and Banjo-Kazooie. Vote for those guys, please. Uh, Make sure you get your final votes in uh, before October 3rd. So thank you guys so much for listening. That marks the Endo Nintendo week for today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. It really helps with visibility, so we greatly appreciate it, especially if you got good things to say instead of bad ones. We're aiming for 30 reviews. We've got 27 right now. Let's try to get it before next week. Get 30 30 reviews. That would be really awesome, guys. Um, So if you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show when we run those Mystery House segments, so it's a great way to get involved. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com, C-O-L-I-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A. 
If you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We've got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even plenty of Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. So thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have another great week. MTV recently interviewed Miyamoto and Takahashi Tezuka about and Tasha Has <laughs> Me Nope, not even MTV Producer Takahashi Prezuka <laughs> <laughs>And, you know, if they release a reissue of the uh, Game Boy Advance games on on a phone, that would work. I don't know if they would redo... Not the Game Boy... People... I, I, I see a lot of people who do emulate games on their phone. Oh, emulate, for sure. Emulate but I don't think Pokemon. that would be able to connect to this this cloud service. Well, I, Pokemon I, I'm just... Because it would just be emulating. I'm just giving an example of an actual use case people have, have found for their devices in Pokemon. I see. I see. Um, um, okay. And honestly, a Pokemon game actually would work pretty well on a mobile phone. Just saying. I have played Pokemon games on my mobile phone. Uh, I will not say where or how. Uh, although I believe, actually, it was completely legal. So... Uh, I can say, actually, I had an attachment that lets you dump a ROM from a physical copy of a Game Boy game. Um, so that, that is, is legal. That is the legal way to to emulate games. And so I got that and I got an emulator on my phone and I put the ROMs in my phone and uh, played on the go. And yeah, I mean, RPGs are a great way. Uh, RPGs are a great kind of game that you can play on mobile and Pokemon works fantastically. Yeah.